Bases loaded and one out. Marcus oh, my God. Deep to right field. Way up there and way out of here. Second deck walk-off home run. Grand slam. Hello and welcome in, everybody, to episode 109 of the Bases Loaded Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Curland. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. Today, I'm rolling solo. It is a morning podcast. There's just been so much going on, and my job has been hectic as far as scheduling and all that, so I decided to get something out today. I'm going to go ahead and just kind of review some of the news and notes of late and kind of give my fantasy advice and opinion on them because there's been so much going on. I've been doing uh, weekend roundups, which you can find at rotoranks.com, and I did... The first couple days, I put out a whole bunch of news and notes and my fantasy uh, spin on them. I did a weekend roundup as well, so you can find those at rotoranks.com. That that is a site that is co-owned and co-ran by George, who you better know as Roto underscore Nino. He's a co-host of this podcast. So I appreciate him letting me put those on there, and you can find them there. And also, and don't forget, guys, every Tuesday or Wednesday, we usually have to pick it one of the two days. You can always catch me on the live stream. It's always one hour from 9 to 10 o'clock Eastern, and it's beer, bourbon, baseball, and it's myself and SP Streamer, Mike Simeone, some of you may know him as. And yeah, we just go on there, talk, shoot the stuff for an hour, uh, have a little fun, and we upload that to our feed. So if you've heard those podcasts, those have been live streams that we've just taken the recordings and put them on here. So we appreciate you supporting us regardless of how you do it. But with all that said, before we get to it, let's just hear a quick word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. What is going on, everybody? Mike Curlin here from the Bases Load Podcast. And just a reminder, for those who don't know, we have teamed up with Rotoballer this year for the 2020 season, which means we're joining the Rotoballer Radio Podcast Network. Since 2013, Rotoballer has been grinding away, providing millions of fantasy baseball players their fix for in-depth MLB analysis and player news. If you haven't heard, Rotoballer's 2020 draft kit is live, and all Bases Loaded listeners can get 10% off Rotoballer's draft kit by using discount code BASESLOADED. Rotoballer is home to number one fantasy pros accuracy ranker Nick Mariano. Nick's 2020 rankings and projections are available as part of Rotoballer's draft kit, along with printable cheat sheets, draft sleepers and busts, and more than 300 2020 player outlooks and tons of in-season tools. All of this from Rotoballer is available for 10% off with discount code BASESLOADED. Just go to rotoballer.com slash bases loaded and get your draft kit today. And we're back. And the first thing I want to get to is just the overall COVID stuff. It seems like the testing is almost like you can't even trust it. One day they're negative. One day they're positive. Some tests have shown negative or positive. They've gone and gotten secondary testing that shows negative. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Some teams don't even get the results back right away. They're delayed. There's maybe because there's a, um, you know, a general public that ha- they're just as important as the players. I think everyone is in the same boat, but maybe they have a secondary mar- like place that does the testing, an outside source that does the testing specifically for them. That would make the most sense. I'm not sure on that, but regardless, coming off the holiday weekend, we've had a couple teams have to- having to miss a practice or two, which in a shortened summer camp and without with, you know, even less time to get ready and whatnot for the season this is really important stuff to be missing. So there's a lot of wishy-washy news and we're not even sure. Sometimes uh, players are missing from camp due to personal reasons. Sometimes it's COVID related, but not every team because it's a HIPAA violation. And for those who don't know, HIPAA is essentially protecting the patient, i.e. the person who would actually have the COVID. 
they they have to give the okay for that information to be released. So you won't hear it from every player, but you'll see players going on the IL for mysterious reasons. We always we obviously attribute it to, to COVID. Then you have players like that, like uh, Nola, who was just around somebody with COVID and was had to wait and you know clear testing and all that prior to coming back to camp. So like that is a whole other thing. So when you see somebody missing from camp and it's COVID related, you have to wait until you get specifics. And trust me, being an analyst, we are reactionary. We are almost groomed to be reactionary. And we have to take a step back. This is unlike anything. I know it's like everything is so, so fast. It's like, hurry up and go, hurry up and go. You got to get your news. You got to make your uh, changes on the waiver wire. You got to just adapt. And short season, everyone's preaching, you know, turn and burn, turn and burn. But with the news, you got to take a step back. So it's really hard to do one thing on one side of things and one thing on the other because there's so much going on. You don't know what is what right away. So you have to give things a chance to materialize. And I say that as somebody who is guilty of not doing that. And I'm trying to be better about it. And someone who's preaching it like crazy is Bubba. So, again, he's a guy I talk about or bring up uh, free, relatively frequently. He's a great dude. He's uh, You can find him at BDNTrick on Twitter. And he's the Bench with Bubba podcast and all that good stuff. Part of Rotoballer Network as well. And he's a guy that's preaching, 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 like, hold off. Just, you know, let the stuff materialize. And But like I said, with that said, we're going to dive into the recent news notes. I have them set up by team. Again, from the weekend, today is Wednesday and it's morning, so a lot of the news hasn't broke for the day. So I'm going to go through some of the recent news, and then we'll go through that weekend roundup and try to touch on some things that have been going on because things have been changing. Seth Beer, he has tested positive for COVID. And just, oh yeah, going back to that COVID talk, because I still manage to give you tangent time with Mike when I'm by myself. Going back with the COVID discussion, you just don't know how it's going to affect players, period. Like some players, it takes a while to, you know, just like regular people, it takes a while to kind of get through the symptoms and get back up to strength. And then you have people who are asymptomatic. Some players tell like, hey, I'm asymptomatic. Some players, there's no information on. You don't know the severity. You have Kingery, who just kind of was like, um, gave some information and gave some background to like, like to his experience with it. And it took him, it sounds like it took him upwards of like the whole month to get back up to like, I'm 100%. I feel good to go. And now he's going to be reporting to camp any day now. Because sounds like he finally tested negative and he, he's, he's asymptomatic now and he's recovered. But that's crazy. Like, we're talking about roughly a month. And these are some of, like, these guys are some of the, like, most, like, these guys are the best athletes in the world. or some of them. And they're, they're in great shape. And if these guys are having a, having trouble, you know, getting healthy and getting up to speed, it's, it's tough to say. And overall, regardless of it all, if you're just looking at it as pitchers versus hitters, I think pitchers take the bigger hit from this because hitters, they'll come back. And I think they'll get up to speed relatively quickly, whereas pitchers, they need time to get up to speed. They need to ramp up their pitch counts. They need to do so. If you have a guy like, and this is a little spoiler, but Lazardo, who just tested positive yesterday, we don't know if he's symptomatic or asymptomatic. If he's, if he's symptomatic, he could be out longer than the you know the whole the quarantine period. Because if he's asymptomatic, I mean, if he's asymptomatic, then he could be working out, still kind of getting his reps in on the side prior to reporting. But if he is symptomatic, which, again, we don't know, he could be shut down right now and would have to build up the strength. And even when once he builds up, they might let him go three or four innings. So we're talking like I was already down on him as it is. I didn't buy into them just saying, hey, go have at it. And now this is something you have to adjust for. Chris Bassett would be the guy that I would look at deeper formats, maybe even stream, depending on the matchups. He's a guy that would probably get the first shot at the rotation spot. 
And honestly, we might see a point where to ease Lazardo in, they piggyback off each other or Lazardo piggybacks off somebody. So you got to keep that in mind. Keep watching for that. You have a guy like uh, Seth Beer who may have made a little bit of an impact uh, down the road a little bit, but we're talking, he tested positive and along with Cole Calhoun. So the first person that comes to mind there is uh, Josh Rojas. He was a kind of a super utility guy anyway, would likely to make the 30 man. Now uh, this could all, but like between him and Calhoun, if both of them symptomatic or might have issues, you know, coming back and being relatively healthy right away, Rojas should step right in. And right now, Rojas is the guy. Like, he's the guy. If you're making moves, if you need somebody to replace one of the, uh, like a Cole Calhoun, I'll grab Josh Rojas. We're talking about a guy who offers speed and batting average, and we need we know speed's a premium, and he could be a waiver wire guy right now. He could be available. So Rojas is the first guy that comes to mind from his from this very same team that would obviously be relevant for fantasy circles and even relevant in terms of twelve team leagues, probably mixed league relevant. Assuming again, he's a great handcuff. If he and if you didn't have Calhoun, if Calhoun wasn't even owned because there's a chance that happened, he could be a guy that you fill in the back end of your bench again, targeting steals and just seeing how the playing time uh, ends up rolling out. Let's take a look at roster resource and see what they think is going to be the uh, the roster right now for the um, for the D backs. Let's see what it's loading. We'll get there eventually. All right, and then they have Cole Calhoun still in there, but like I said, that leaves me to believe that. That still leaves me to lead, uh, even like I said, they have Calhoun in there, and Calhoun is a left-handed bat, and we also have Rojas, who's a left-handed bat, so that, that would also help. You're talking about just putting in, plugging in lefty for lefty, and Rojas could play the outfield. Wouldn't be surprised if that happened at all. That could, in theory as well, may push somebody over from the uh, Jake, Jake Lambs in DH, and you're going to see Kevin Crone already. That's tough. It's kind of a crowded situation. Even Steven Vote Vote played the outfield a little bit last year, and in two catcher leagues, he has catcher eligibility, and if he's playing the outfield, he's a premium uh, second catcher. That's awesome because that's going to be playing time for him and all that. So, like I said, it's worth monitoring. I would give the edge to Rojas, but if they're trying to keep the play, the the service time in on Rojas for whatever reason, vote would be probably the next man up in my opinion. They also have guys like Tim LoCastro and John Jay, and if LoCastro gets the spot, LoCastro, again, for speed first guy, steals premium steals guy right there i would take i would take my shot on him uh as, as far as like if he gets to, he's 27 years old so he's not obviously he's not a prospect but we're talking about a guy who stole 17 bases last year for the diamondbacks in 91 games that is crazy i mean and if you combine the two uh the triple a and uh mlb numbers from last season he had 122 games he, he played total and stole a total of uh, 26 bags and that came with getting caught one time so he's hyper efficient as well. He might get the job and he could see himself hitting probably ninth with the DH because of how it's going to turn over, but he should run plenty. So Castro is a deep league target for steals. I'm a little bullish on Rojas. And I think that's in part, in part because of Alex Chamberlain, but sneaky value Tim Tim, Locast- Tim Locastro, just watch out for him. And if you need speed in a bad way, add him now and see what happens. Because again, he might be the next man up. We don't know. We're just speculating. The big news, I think, is with all these players and having, you know, with uh, the COVID and whatnot, with the Cardinals and then injuries with Jordan Hicks, the name Ryan Helsley has appeared before during spring training, and it appeared again. He was first brought up by John, Moza- I can't remember say his name, Mosaliak, Moza- I can't, Cardinals GM, <laughs> uh, brought up Ryan Helsley's name when asked about the team's closers role on Tuesday. Obviously, they mentioned Jordan Hicks. Gallegos was also in there, but Gallegos tested positive for COVID. 
Hicks might not be ready, or I've read reports that he is expected to start potentially on the IL. So that leaves the door wide open again for Helsley, who again was one of the favorites coming in. And I remember the reports in spring training. That's he's free. He's probably a free agent in your league right now. And if you're in say if you're in need of saves, like you came out of your draft, rough and saves, or if you need to target somebody late who could legitimately be a top 15 guy if he gets the job and holds on to it, you're getting this guy for free right now in drafts. He's he's a must add in just about any category for in any format that has saves as a category. And you gotta stash him. It looks like he's the he'll get first dibs, I think. It's crazy. That's that's nuts. Everybody wanted Gallegos and Carmart. Um, he, news broke today. You know he's back. He tested negative, I believe it was, and, of COVID, and he's back. And it looks like he's slotted in for a bullpen role to start the year. Oh, it's it's frustrating. I liked him as a starter. We saw him close, and we saw him close effectively. So if he gets the closer role, that wouldn't surprise me either. But he has a little bit of draft cost with him. So if you take him and he ends up in that fireman role, he'll still have some value, especially if he piggybacks off somebody, gets some wins and all that as middle reliever. But I don't know if they intend on keeping him in the bullpen the rest of the year because it's a shortened season and they don't want to rush it, or if they plan on building him up and then making him a starter so he kind of has this weird role going on. Because if he's not going to be closing in the bullpen, he might lose some of that, like, some of that what interests me about him. Anthony Rizzo didn't play Tuesday in their interest squad game because of a lower of lower back tightness. We've seen him kind of deal with this before. I would guess it's all, but it's pretty much precautionary. I hate seeing any type of issues as far as injuries, in, but it's going to happen. These guys are ramping back up. They're getting ready for games. I'm just, just keep an eye on it. I'm not too worried. He He's as safe as it gets. He is who he is. Otani, moving on to Shoei Otani, he threw just 15 of his 50 pitches for strikes in an intra-squad game Tuesday. I'm not terribly concerned. The, the issue is when you come back from Tommy John, control is one of the last things to come back. This could be, and I think this year is kind of just like his ramp up year to get him ready for the offseason and getting ready for a true breakout next year. I think he'll be back to who we expect him to be full time next year. And I'm, I think maybe it's crazy. I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised if next year in roto drafts, particularly in daily drafts, or sorry, daily leagues, particularly in daily leagues, we could see Otani being a late first round, early second round pick because of the dual positional eligibility between pitcher and hitter. And just how he could be, how elite he could be per inning and or per game start, I should say, and per at bat type of thing. He could be. He is so uber valuable in daily formats. And in a, and once he gets through this season, and if he gets through it without you know any injuries, any setbacks, any issues, we're gonna see him skyrocket up drafts. If you're in a dynasty league and somehow you can get him for any type of discount, have at it. Take advantage of it. Because he's going to come back and be a perennial MVP candidate, in my opinion. I think that's what we ha- that's what's in store for us. Julio Tehran transferred. He was placed on the 10-day IL. Sticking with the Angels. Again, this is just recent news from today. Then I'm going to go team by team, division by division. Because I have notes from that from over the weekend. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Reviewing that article a little bit. But he's on the injury list. And there's no reason. Like, we don't know. I mean, there, there's a reason. But it's um, there is no injury designation. Uh, designation. Yeah, there is no injury designation. What that could mean is COVID. He hasn't released that. Obviously, if he doesn't give the okay to release that information, they won't put him on the COVID IL because they can't because now that's giving out that information. So we're assuming COVID, unfortunately. And honestly, I hate talking about like who benefits from what. 
and all this in a shortened season, it sucks because as some uh, my mom tested positive for COVID, it's a terrible thing. <laughs> like I work as a first responder, so I deal with it all the time. And I don't like like this is my escape and my escape can't escape from this. You know what I mean? Like I enjoy talking fantasy. So it's unfortunate. It's such a terrible situation to be talking about all this under, but it is essentially what you are listening for. So I do empathize, sympathize. I always forget which one it is. It's sympathize. I think I sympathize with them or yeah, I sympathize with these players and I understand what they're going through to a point. And I hope that they all get well and have no setbacks and no issues, you know, lingering issues from this. But again, I'm here to give the fantasy analysis and feedback from all this. And going back to the Angels and Tehran, he was like a back of rotation, maybe the end of your draft type of guy if you needed just a steady Eddie type. But he's off my draft board in most formats. I mean, I he just well, he wasn't really doing it for me before anyway. And now you you do this unknown illness setback and all that as a pitcher. I'm not really interested. And there's not really much interest, like all that interesting in that rotation. Anyway, I don't want a lot of these guys because their prices are a little much for me. And there's no, and they're only going to be pitching once every six days. They already are getting like two to three starts less than the average pitcher. That is a huge handicap on a shortened season. You would need them to be damn near, damn near stellar for them to be valuable in where most of these costs and draft prices are for these guys. So you really got to keep that in mind because these guys, again, one, they're going to be a six man rotation. And even then, I believe there's already been word of uh, Madden having a quick trigger when it comes to pulling these guys, at least initially. So that kind of takes, you know, a little bit, that kind of hits a little bit, all of them a little bit. So keep that in mind. And then you have Andrew Heaney, who's been slated as a starting day or opening day starter. Again, isn't as valuable to me because that's still it's not going to help his start total. He might get one extra start at the end of the season compared to the rest of his guys. We'll see. And speaking of opening day starters, you also had, you also had Lance Lynn uh, named the opening day starter, which might, some people might be surprised over Kluber, but Lynn pitched over 200 innings last year. He did his thing and all this seems to be pretty legit. And dude, I'm buying it. We're talking a guy who's going to give you over a K in inning, solid ratios wins. And he already pitched six innings, I believe yesterday in his uh, simulated game. Which is another thing we see these teams talking about their players not pitching all that much in the in the first you know couple game game or two or whatever first couple starts. I'm not totally buying that because we're seeing reports of pitchers already throwing 60, 70, 80 pitches in their first time through their intra squad games. That suggests right then and there that they're ramping up already. I mean, you have guys like Carlos Crasco, which we'll get to eventually, but he's a guy who came in. He's he's like, I'm ready to throw six innings. It's not going to be inning limits. It's going to be pitch counts. We're going to be seeing a lot of pitch counts. Uh, so however, how efficient they can be will matter into how long they can go into games. And the longer a player can go into a game makes them that much more valuable as a starting pitcher in this season because you need wins. You need quality starts in some leagues, which I I would honestly recommend switching to wins just for this year because I understand wins are kind of iffy, but quality starts are going to be tough to come by. And you got to adapt to that for sure. But anyway, sticking with Texas, you have Joey Gallo who has tested negative at a private lab. This is after getting a positive test at the MLB, but he, uh, at when, uh, during the, uh, the testing when they bring him in, but he's had two nasal swabs, which are definitely going to be more accurate than the spit in the tube thing that they're doing or whatever. I've seen the video of it. I think Colin McHugh posted the video of it. It's just them spitting into a vial. I've had the nose test, by the way, I got tested for COVID 
and it was terrible. <laughs> it touches your soul, I swear. It just feels like it's digging into your soul. But regardless, <laughs> I, I digress. It's uh, it looks like he's he's en route to, you know, being part of the camp soon, and he's asymptomatic anyway as well. I think I expect him to come in and just be Joey Gallo. Ryan O'Hearn tested positive for COVID nineteen with the Royals. He's another guy that was actually doing well in spring training. I'm a, I forgot his. I look up his stat line, but he was doing well. And he was fighting for the uh, everyday spot. So he's a guy that I'm not sure if he falls behind. I think it depends on the severity of it all. McBroom, I think, was the other guy that might take the spot, which is unfortunate because O'Hearn had some very deep league appeal, AL only uh, type of stuff. And I think also you have your draft champions leagues and and drafts and holds in general and all that. So he was somebody that was gaining some favor and kind of coming around and like we all liked him. What was it a year ago? He was our it was last year or two years ago. I don't remember. He was kind of like that breakout guy people picked to break out. But in spring training this year, yeah, he was killing it. He had five home runs, nine RBIs. Triple slash of 343, 395, and 857. Absolutely demolishing the ball in spring training. Take it for what it's worth. I just, again, he was just a late round guy. And Kingery, again, circling back to him because he was next on this list. He uh, just, he's recovered. It sounds like I would say all systems go. Wouldn't be too concerned about him. Just got to make sure he's obviously producing. And we'll see how that goes. Lazardo, we kind of mentioned again, he tested positive. I'm already out on him. Now throw this into the mix. Just makes a mess mess of things when it comes to his innings. Cassianos actually says he doesn't want to be a DH. That's we, I mean, we'll see if that actually sticks because his defense defense isn't fantastic. But maybe he's been working on it. The guy definitely is like I've seen him as a popular dark horse MVP candidate. The guy hits a crap ton of doubles, four category floor. You put him in Cincinnati. I think he just gonna, he's going to crush some of the doubles. Are going to go over the wall. And he's just gonna be—he's gonna outproduce his ADP and be a good return on investment type of guy. Let's see. Let's move on to Erod. He tested—he ended up testing positive after not being uh, sure. He was exposed, I guess, to a guy that or his roommate, I believe. Uh, ex- he was exposed to who had it. Turns around uh, now, come around, coming around to things, he got tested and it came back positive. Bobby Dalbeck as, as well as also come back positive, which is a guy I thought was like a dark horse to kind of take over that first base or third base position. Oh, not third base with Devers, but first base. I thought he had a chance to kind of get a shot at it. Now this might put a wrinkle in that plan, but Erod was a guy that was like an SP three type that you could get was like solid felt safe-ish just, you know, the injury concerns were there, but now he's like, you wanted to see him. He was going to be the ace of the staff. He was going to just be the guy there. And, now we might not see him right away. He says, I think he wants to, I think he wants to be ready by opening day, but that's going to be a tall order considering opening day is in what less than about two weeks from now, maybe give or take, or just over two weeks at this point. I don't see that being realistic as far as like pitching more than a couple of innings, but we'll see. We'll keep that in mind. We'll hope for, I'll obviously hope for it. I want to see the guy healthy. The Red Sox as a whole aren't that, especially in the pitching side of things aren't something I'm all that excited about. But Erod always has that potential. There's always the what if with him, right? Adam Hazley, he was a guy that was uh, just, again, was kind of, we assumed Nola and him had it. But it was actually, he was, it, there was a lab error with his intake screening. And we weren't sure what to think. Now it looks like he'll be back. So Bohm, Alec Bohm went from being somebody that was like super relevant. Everybody was really interested in. He still could have a, a shot at making this lineup at one point. 
But now the inside, you know, he had Kingry out and Hazley out, which gave him that inside chance of getting there. Now we're now it's possible that he won't get there at all, which again, that's that's part of it. Bohm wasn't slated to be a starter, and with these as long as these guys stay healthy and if they produce, they'll gonna probably keep him out of there. But Bohm is one of the you know probably arguably the best prospect or maybe the second best behind Spencer Howard. The Phillies have that are just about ready to go and they want to win. The Phillies are going for it, so they're not going to hold back a play, a piece that will make them better, at least not long. Assuming again, they were, you have to give these guys more than a week. But if someone's batting two hundred after two weeks, it wouldn't be surprising me to see one of those guys out of the lineup. And Hazley is a fifth outfielder type in a fifteen team league at best, anyway. So he's on. He does have an interesting. I believe it's like a little bit, a little bit of power and speed, but nothing I'd be overly like, excited about. Just somebody. And again, he's gonna be back at the bottom of the lineup more, more than likely as well. Just a guy that, meh. Like if you again, if you really need the depth and kind of let outfielders go, he'd be somebody to fall back on. And that's oh well, yeah, Fermo Reyes ended up I guess um, I guess he ended up being negative because he was uh, he went to a July Fourth party and wasn't like didn't take proper precautions and now he's being isolated I guess until he could test negative. It sounds like he did because I think he's returning uh, uh, soon to the team. I just lost that news. I had it. I don't know what happened to it, but I definitely had it. Um, but even if he's not, he's definitely uh, he. It should be relatively soon that he's back, assuming that he's negative. His tests are negative, and that's gonna lead right into that weekend roundup. I mean, maybe I miss, and if I miss some stuff, I apologize. I know that there's just so much going on, and things are forever changing. By the time you listen to this, some of this information might be like out the window. That's why I'm just like doing this, putting it out there, and then you guys have at it, and hopefully it's helpful. Oh yeah, and Kirby Yates. There was thoughts that because he actually. He was actually at home helping, like, with dealing with a family member who had COVID as well. It was COVID related? He passed the intake testing and he participated in a camp workout on Tuesday night. So he is back. It sounds like he obviously was negative, and that's kind of like one of the big relievers that you're obviously targeting this year and is very relevant and definitely worth monitoring. Now, like I said, we're gonna go division by division, team by team. Just some notes from over the weekend again, trying to catch up everything. Per Davey Martinez, as of right now, he expects Carter Keboom to be the starting third baseman. I've actually ranked it that way already. I was already assuming that. I didn't see any reason not to think of him as that. They're coming, you know, again, another team. They're coming off the World Series championship. They were coming off winning the World Series, I should say. Whatever. It's word. It just sounded funny the other way. And he's a guy that, again, just the, the prospect pedigrees there. We've seen him hit 300 and put up some good power numbers and do some decent things in the minors. But he hasn't quite, you know, shown in the majors. But it's always been short stints. Hopefully, he can get he can get going. Start off a little hot this year. Regardless, though, I don't see him at least initially. It would take a little bit before he moves up that lineup. But he's hitting most likely at the bottom of the lineup for now. That could even hinder his potential for growth. And in a shortened season with these young guys, he's a guy that after two or three weeks, if he's cold, there's no. It's hard to hold on to him. You have to turn and burn. And if he's not producing, you can't just start him and. And hold on to him, or even hold on to him, and hope it get, comes around. I mean, value, uh, roster spots are valuable. If you have a guy, say you have a, you're in a league and Cespedes isn't drafted, but Cespedes starts off the first two or three games with like two home runs, five RBI, batting 350, and you have Key Boom two three games in batting 91 with like one RBI. That's gonna be really enticing, and I would probably still say to hold on to Key Boom, but. It's gonna get tough, and I'll say that's a week. Okay, so this is two or three days. Obviously, it's reactionary. So let's let's fast forward it to about a week, week and a half. Same thing, same idea. 
And I'm going to be like, you know what? Take the hot hand. You can't afford to wait for this guy to come around, and he's batting ninth anyway. What's the ceiling really going to be? Whereas, you have, it, obviously, there's a lot more factors into it. And that's why you have us. Reach out to us on Twitter. <laughs> the Base Load Pod, me, George, Zach, any of us will help out. That's what we're here for. Max Scherzer threw 32 pitches in two simulated innings, and that was on Friday, so he should be due for a bullpen a day now or simulated game. And he'll be more than I, – I zero doubt he'll be ready to pitch five to six innings on opening day. It should be him versus Cole. It's going to be fantastic. Cole pitched – actually pitched five innings, I think, as well in a simulated game, give up one run. And these guys are gamers. These guys are going to be built up. I expect five to six innings out of both of them. And these guys, Scherzer, people were moving him down. I was guilty of it. I put him back up to three of my ranks at pitcher. I still want DeGrom, then Cole, then Scherzer in that order. And even then Verlander. And now it's getting to like Bueller's concerning me. We'll get to his news momentarily, but Bueller's starting to concern me. And like, oh, you know what? I'll wait. I don't want to spoil it. We're going to, again, we're on the Nationals NLE. So let's go to the Mets. And speaking of Cespedes, he was crushing the ball. We saw a video of him smacking home runs during bat- batting practice. It's good to see him get healthy. We'll see if he can actually stay healthy with that, with the heel and all that. I mean, Michael Conforto has even said as much that he lo- just looks like a monster, which, speaking of Conforto, Conforto is healthy. No issues with the oblique or anything. Which is good to which is good to see. The concerning part about the Mets was the potential uh, closer by committee they discussed over the weekend. <sighs> Edwin Diaz, I mean, we saw what he did last year, so I can understand their trepidation. But the guy still should be solid. I mean, I don't know. It all depends on that slider if he can get a feel for it or not. But I think he gets first dibs at it, and if if he gets first crack and he kills it, gets the save. They won't pull him from that. I don't believe they'll pull him from that by any means. And But if he struggles at the gate, you better believe it. <laughs> you better believe they're not going to give him all that run they gave last year because Mets are another team that they didn't trade away Kalenic for, for nothing, which, by the way, Kalenic is killing it. Like, he's, he's making this home run he hit. If you haven't seen it, go to Twitter. It's on my page. I retweeted it. Man, he crushed this ball. Again, it's batting practice. Take it for what it's worth. But man, it was a beautiful swing tight like he's just he just has great sound mechanics behind the play uh, behind the plate like he's a catcher at the plate and the guy just has a tight swing just crushed the ball and it's like it's impressive the kid is gonna be a stud i fully believe that and they gave him away for a closer and edwin diaz who now is a closer by committee it goes to show you that i know you guys were competing i get it but uh, i wouldn't have given up that i mean you probably could have gotten for cheaper and it is, but no need to harp on that. And Zach, if you're listening, I'm sorry, buddy. I know it kills you to hear that, but it is what it is. I just couldn't help myself talking about clinic, man. The guy is legitimately like on the brink of going to be like the top prospect. Once Wander gets promoted, he's already top five, probably in most ranks. If not, should be. Then you have uh, the Phillies again, then the whole Nola thing. I think Nola's negative. He was another guy that was del- the lab and delayed the results and, Gotta find that. I swore Nola was negative. And I don't want to give you false information because there was talks about him being positive, obviously. And now I can't find the thing of him being negative. But I swore he was. So um let's find that out. Yeah, he was uh he reported to camp. It looks like on Monday, reported to camp and was negative. Like I said, he was negative testing. So I guess the test results were just oh, that's right. He came in contact with somebody with COVID, and he had to go through the test, testing and all that and wait for the results. That's what it was with him. I told you there's so much going on. You honestly just forget which player did what and how it worked. And Hector Neres, he's back, although he did have it. He was at the field on Sunday, 
and he's clear to go. He's ready to roll. Zach Wheeler is actually a concern of mine. Wheeler's expecting a child and has even put it out there that he doesn't know if he's going to stick around or come back from his uh, leave once he has his child. That is a huge concern. He could fall in drafts where he might be valued, but right now, like, steer clear. If you're drafting right now, I would steer clear. The The risk doesn't outweigh the reward at his ADP. Freeman, we uh, it's become well-known. He's tested positive for COVID, and he has shown symptoms, and he feels better, but COVID lingers, and if it's anything like Kingery we saw, and King, again, if you go read that report, uh, that report that Kingery put out, or the it was like an article that I guess someone wrote an article after talking to him about it. There is a lot that goes into this, and the recovery can be tough. And just to get the full strength, it might take him up until opening day to even feel full strength. So we might see a slow start for for Freddie Freeman. I'm not taking Freddie Freeman in the second round. I would consider it in the mid th- to third, mid third round, late third, maybe. But in the fourth round, I'd feel more comfortable hedging my bets because you know he's going to come back. It's just a matter of um, when and how he's going to play and how long it's going to take for him to get his, you know, get going. But also, like, I always thought the guy has a family. You know, he has a wife. He has a kid. Why? Maybe he decides after how this all this goes or if he has any setbacks, he decides, you know what? Screw it. I'm not coming back there. I mean, I haven't heard any reports of that. That is pure speculation, but it is a legit possibility. And as far as replacements go at first base, the Braves have themselves have mentioned Riley, Austin Riley and Adam Duvall and Johan Camargo as fill-ins. Riley and Duvall make the most sense. I believe Duvall has some time at first base. Riley, it depends if they want to manipulate Riley's service time. I think that whole magical week thing in the minors could be enough to get the extra year on Riley. And they were going to put Riley in the minors to begin with. So I'm expecting Riley to be up playing third or first, but I can honestly see them playing games and not bringing them up right away. So keep just, again, keep that in mind. Can't say for certain. Uh, King Felix, I hate that. He was in route to being the fifth starter on that team. He opted out. I totally understand it. And that's another thing. I understand any of these guys who opt out as a father, as a uh, father of three, as a husband. I honestly always anticipate players holding out or I totally understand players holding out. And although we don't want them to, it's it is what it is. You got to understand this is bigger than baseball and people on It's almost like people have a hard time accepting that. So I fully respect these guys decisions who do this because i again they gotta look out for what's best for them and their families cole hamels threw his third bullpen on friday so he should be going i uh, should be you know throwing another one or soon sooner after this podcast and he looks like he's in route to being ready by opening day which is fantastic for him he is somebody i think might be a slow starter but once he gets ramped up he'll be good to go he's a solid draft day value back end of your rotation type of guy and i don't think the adp is going to change in that respect Will Smith has a positive for COVID-19 and is currently asymptomatic. That is something worth noting because he's a guy who's been taken. I think he's going to be like in a multi-inning role and scoop up some saves on days that that um, Melanson isn't available because, you know, they're going to be playing, what, 60 games in 66 days or something like that. So you'll see a lot of uh, mix and match in that bullpen. I think Will Smith won't get – He's not the, obviously he's not the closer – but I do think he will get a little bit of saves. So he's um he's a guy you can peg, throw in there and peg him for a few saves. And he's not going to win the category, but he's going to bring you some solid ratios and Ks with it. And as long as he's asymptomatic as a reliever, I have no issues with him coming in late to camp, assuming he's working on the side. Moving over to the NL Central. And that's another thing. Not every team has had news or has news. We talked about the uh, – we actually already talked about the NL Central. The only thing I'll add is uh, Paul Goldschmidt mentioned that his elbow is 100. percent 
I'm still not a huge Goldschmidt guy. That ballpark is not favorable to him. And he has shown some slight decline over the last few years, and he's not running at all. So it takes away one of his premium skill sets that we all loved for him for. So I'm not a huge Paul Goldschmidt guy. He's still top 10 first baseman, but he fits into like, I'd rather have Jose Ribeiro. I'd rather, I'd rather have Josh Bell. Next up is the Brewers, and they just have like nothing really going on, which is great for them. That's good news. No news is good news sometimes. And right now, the pitching coach, Chris Hook, on Sunday would not commit to Corey Knable being ready for opening day. He could be ready, but the Brewers will be cautious with his workload. He is somebody that I expect to get a few saves out of the bullpen this year. I've said that much. But Hayter is the guy in the back end of that bullpen. They will use him in high-stress situations you know, prior to the eighth or ninth inning. But I still think ultimately they want to, you know, win games and they're going to need him to pitch in, you know, they're going to need him to shut it down most games. And I don't think that Knable will take too many of those opportunities away, but to say that he won't take some is just ignorant. <laughs> you got, you know, you know, he's going to grab some. He just is. We'll see how his control looks again. Another pitcher coming off Tommy John. We'll see how that all goes for him. But ultimately he's going to grab you some saves. So if you need some cheap saves, this is, this is a guy to go get. The Pirates, Joe Musgrove states he feels much better than he did this spring. He apparently felt worn down after the spring training starts, and it could have explained the struggles he had. That's pretty much it right there. <laughs> he was having a rough time through spring training 1.0, and he, he, I guess he just was fatigued and didn't feel all right, but now he's uh, good to go. No, And he should be the opening day guy for the, for the Pirates, which isn't saying much, but he's somebody I think will be pitching six, five to six innings right off the bat which, again, could hold value. And I still think he's going to break out even as a short season. The Reds, Trevor Bauer is the interesting one. He might be pitching every four days, and there's two ways to look at this. He's super valuable because he's going to pitch more than anybody else, and he's going to give you more Ks than anybody else, and he has the most win potential of anybody else. But he also has the most blow-up potential, and we've seen him kill ratios in the past, and we've seen him just get blown up. So we don't know. Uh, it's all a matter of your level of confidence with him. I would take him as my SP3. I don't know if I feel comfortable with SP2, but you kind of have to be at his price. So you have to build for him. If you're going to take him, you better get an ace early on because I think you want to secure the ratios and having him as your ace or as your SP2, the ratios will get iffy. Can be. They can be elite, but they can be iffy. And you want to hedge your bets by having an elite starter paired with him. Just my two cents. I think pitching every fourth day definitely boosts his value in two out of the four categories. Obviously, that he can do. He doesn't do saves. It's just a matter of how much you think he'll kill your ratios because he could, and we've seen him get crushed. But I'm betting on Derek Johnson, the pitching coach there. I'm betting on the team dynamic. I'm betting on Bauer being Bauer, which that actually is probably a negative. Never mind. Let me take that last part back. I'm betting on Bauer not being Bauer and get, and I think he'll get through things. I think he'll be, especially again, Give me the uh, give me those extra starts, but we have to see if that actually comes to fruition. If anything of this sort does, he's a top twenty-five pitcher, no doubt in my mind, because he's like thirtieth-ish around there for me. So you just bump up into that top twenty-five range, almost certain, almost more than certainly. Uh, Suarez and Senzel, Eugenio Suarez and Senzel are one hundred percent healthy. We as we expected, they should be playing just about every day. Senzel's kind of I don't see how he's iffy for playing time anymore between Akiyama Castellanos. Winker and Senzel, it sounds like you have your outfield slash DH filled right there. And they already mentioned Aquino getting sent down. So I'm not really concerned about the uh, platooning in the outfield or anything. The Chicago Cubs, I just found this very interesting. We talked about Rizzo a little bit, but you Darvish has a new pitch. It's a two-sleam slash splitter hybrid, and he calls it the Supreme. 
the guy doesn't need any more pitches. But he has another one. And if it's effective, he's going to be more effective. He's a top 20 pitcher entering this shortened season for me. I'm totally bought into the fixed, the, uh, the fixed control he showed in the second half. He was showing it in spring training as well before prior to spring training shut down. So I'm in on the uh, the second half of you, Darvish. And we've seen him be taken as a top 10 pitcher, if I remember correctly, back when he was in Texas. So the added DH isn't even a big deal to me because he's, he, he's pitched with the DH before. If he ended up the best pitcher and the Cy Young winner in a short season, I would not be surprised. You would not find me surprised at all. It's just it's just you don't have to pay that price for him. So he's worth every bit of being a top 20 pitcher. You can argue top 15, and I wouldn't even be mad. I might move him there. I'm having a hard time taking Paddock over him. I think Darvish is safer for more innings per game. I have a hard time taking Glass now. People love Glass now, but Glass now, oh, you know what? That's a big one. Because Glass now had, I believe, been missing from camp a couple days with unknown reasons. So we don't know what's going on there. But Gar- give me Darvish over Glass now, I think. I think that's where I'm at right now with Darvish. I'm suddenly really high on him because I think there's a high floor there. I'm buying into the changes and I'm buying into the uh, innings that he should be pitching right, right out right out the gate on a team that wants to contend. So, yeah, give me all the Darvish shares. I'm in. For the first time this year, I'm that, I'm that much in. Can't believe it. And that's not saying anything bad about Glass now or Paddock. They're both top 20 pitchers as well. But I think people are so amped up on glass now. They're just like overlooking a guy like Darvish, who's essentially done it. Like he's been every bit of and every bit of what we want glass now to be. So give me the guy who's done it before, a little older, but I think he's I think he's legit. I think he's gonna do it. I, I it hurts me. It's weird to say. I feel weird saying that, but I'm I'm there. The Rockies are just the Rockies. We're gonna move over to NL West, and Brandon Rogers should be full go or is a full go because that's what we need. More confusion in that infield. I it's not a podcast if I'm not ranting about it, but I'm I'm not even bother. We know my feelings, especially if you're and if you're not first time if you're a first time listener, thank you for listening. Let's just say I'm avoiding Rockies. I'm sick of their games they play. The Rockies are a mess. They have so many players for so few positions. They've even come out and said that Daniel Murphy isn't going to be DHing every day. So then that means he's going to be playing the field because they're not going to sit the guy. It's just a mess. I don't, and then they sign Matt Kemp. I'm done. I'm I'm just I'm just I'm just done. And then Charlie Bachman, he's still not reporting to camp. We'll see how that goes. But I think once he's in, he's he'll be back. And but who knows? He might be limited. He needs to drop down draft boards a little bit. I was a little more confident initially, but it's been a few days. No real updates. Not, I, I'm gonna guess he's symptomatic. I'm just assuming. I could be completely wrong. But we're gonna see how that goes. And as of right now, I'm dropping him down a round or two. I think almost everybody with COVID gets gets hit with a one to two uh, round ding minimum. Until proven that they're not that they're going to make it through with, with no symptoms, because you can start off asymptomatic, but you can still get it just because they, they might have caught it before the symptoms popped. That, that, I'm sure that can happen, right? I mean, I, I don't know. Anybody with COVID is just going to drop a little bit. Moving over to the Padres, we talked about Kirby Yates, and that's pretty much it. Apparently, uh, Will Myers is actually pivoting off his black foot when he swings, which is new for him. Apparently, uh, we'll see how that translates if. I mean, we, you would think he's the big winner with the DH because now they don't have to put that glove in the outfield and he can just focus on hitting. And we know the bat can play when he's when he's on. When he's off, it's terrible. But when he's on, it's a really solid power-speed combo. And putting him at DH can allow him to run more, too, because he'll just stay healthy. Moving over to the Giants, and there's not much going on there. Buster Posey arrived at camp Saturday, but we've heard mention of him considering opting out. That's not value. That's not valuable. Uh, that's not essentially that's not relevant to, to mixed leagues, 12 team mixers. But anything deeper than that, he was relevant because you can argue he's like in that 15 to 20th range at, at catcher. And in a 15 team league, he could be your starting catcher. Or in a two catcher league, he's definitely 
uh, has value because he's definitely a catcher. He's definitely a number two catcher. So in your deeper formats, your DCs, your two catcher formats, he was. There's definitely something to watch out for and be be skeptical of. I'm not totally bought in. Joey Bart gets the shot. I know that. Uh, I'm not sure how that rule applies or it applies to all prospects or what. But according to like what I've read and what I can find, if they if players have more than 62 or less than 62 games or 62 yeah i think it's 62 games of service time at the mlb level this year that number that that number of 62 or 62 days sorry 62 days then if it's under 62 days they don't accumulate a year of service time does that mean any prospect can be brought up after that it ends up being about a week of uh, games about seven to seven or so days maybe a little more before prospects can come up and not gain us and not give up a year of service time so you're going to see a lot of manipulation there. You're going to see Spencer Howard probably. Uh, a lot of these guys, Spencer Howard types. The uh, Wow. Michael Kopech maybe. Uh, Nate Pearson. Mackenzie Gore. I expect all of them to be up after a week. So basically they're going to miss one start, which is fine. At their prices, it's all baked in. But that goes into Bart. I'm not sure how that affects guys in the low minors. Like other, All these other guys we're just thinking of, these are guys that are going to be up this year anyway. But guys like Bart who wasn't going to be up this year, maybe he gets a chance to come up. So that's kind of cool. All right, we got to hurry this up a little bit. I am dragging. Uh, you have all the Dodgers are. It's hard. As soon as I say hurry up, we run right into the Dodgers where you have David Price opting out. You have Clayton Kershaw, Ross Stripling, and Alex Wood already throwing three innings. And th- since this update that you see, uh, I believe Stripling mentioned he'll be stretched out for six. I think he's the first one in to take that David Price spot. I, I mean, I know people want May. I think Gonsolin would get a shot too, even over May, because they show. I think last year, if I remember correctly, and I, I really don't remember fully, but I could be wrong. But I swore Gonsolin was the guy that they chose over May, and I think that that could very well be the case this year. And but regardless, I think Stripling's getting the first shot. I think that's going to be it. Period. And I love Ross Stripling, so give me all the Ross Stripling shares. And May and Gonsolin are guys I'm watching. I rather, I actually think Gonsolin gets a shot before May. I mean, I could be completely wrong there, but I, I don't know. I mean, I've seen reports of May being uh, stretched out too. So we'll see. It's going to be tough because I don't know what the Dodgers are going to do. The Dodgers can dodge her and piggyback a couple of these guys with a couple other people. So we could see a bunch of like, we could see like, I expect Kershaw and at this point, Bueller to kind of get their innings and everybody else can be a, few, a huge question mark. Just because they're getting stretched out doesn't mean they're actually gonna be ready. But we and then we see Bueller actually come out and say he's like been traditionally like a slow starter, and I think he meant in terms of production, not necessarily uh, how many batters he could face and all that. But either way, that concerns me. I mean, the fact that he acknowledges that himself, I part of me wants to knock him down. Like I think I'm going to. I think I'm gonna take Clevenger and Bieber over him. I know that's a hot take. I know that's not very common, but that's where I'm at because I know the Indians let their guys go. The Indians have a pretty easy schedule if i remember correctly and bieber and cleverger were in that tier just below anyway so moving them up maybe i'll just make them all into one tier and group them i think they belong in that tier with scherzer and verlander anyway so i think i'm going to add the cleveland duo there just ahead of bueller but they're all in the same tier and that's just me hedging the bet that maybe he they don't let him go you know right out the gate full steam maybe he is a slow starter that's stuff i can't afford to take and those maybes being there Make me need to take make me make me take a step back and think I'm gonna take it, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna be as high on Bueller. The Diamondbacks mad bump through 35 to 40 pitches, and it was his first day reporting to camp or after reporting to camp. He's gonna be mad bum. He's gonna give you like eight K per nine, uh, 
four-ish rate uh, ERA, probably 1.2-ish whip. We'll see how that goes. We'll see how he does, though. I mean, it's, he's not pitching in San Fran anymore. And we saw the home run splits last year were tremendously different. We're talking huge splits, like terrible splits. And that's scary. Like That's not somebody I want. I'm not interested on, at Mabum this year. And he's going too early for my liking. And we're we talked about Todd Glass now. He won't face any workload restrictions, but is he going to ramp up? Is he pitching right now? I don't really know what's going on with him. And maybe it's just a delay in the testing. The test results getting back. We don't really know what's going on there. Uh, that's like I said. That's the Rays. You have the Orioles. DJ Stewart is a full go. That's very, very deeply relevant. AL only type of stuff. Because he's on track to be 100% after recovering from microfracture surgery on his ankle. He will be battling for the everyday left field spot. So, again, very, very deeply relevant. This one I found interesting is we talked about Erod, and as we move over to the Red Sox, Kevin Pillar expected to start against lefties, which is weird because I expected him just to kind of be mostly an everyday guy. And he was just a really cheap speed option late in drafts, fifth outfield type. Now he's not draftable. There's no point. You're never going to just start someone versus lefties in a short season. What is that going to give him? Like two games a week? Maybe three if you're lucky? When are you ever going to want to start this guy? And you have to hope he steals in those few games? He lost all his value when that happened. The Blue Jays, they were non-committal about chances of Nate Pearson breaking camp with the team on opening day. Goes back to what I said about the 62 uh, days at the major league level. Not going to hold my breath there. We talked about Garrett Cole and the Yankees uh, as far as like I think he's fine. He already had his kid. He's back at camp and has pitched since, so we're not worried there. Paxton's building up his uh, his pitch count, but he should be fine. He threw a simulated, simulated game on Sunday. He had no setbacks. And he's coming back from a non-baseball related injury. So I have zero concern there. LeMahieu is interesting. I don't, again, he's a guy who's going to drop in my ranks because we don't know the, we're not fully clear on his, what's going on with him and his COVID uh, situation because he got, he tested positive, but we don't know what to expect as far as like if he's asymptomatic or not. We don't really know all the details about that yet. Tanaka took that liner off the head from Stanton. That was a very, very scary situation. Thank goodness he's fine. Had a mild, uh, mild concussion. And just needs to clear the protocol upon returning. And then you have Talkman and Frazier in the mix for an outfield role. I think that that's all on the health of the outfielders because you have um you have what's his face back. I can't believe I forgetting his name here. Give me a second, they'll come up with I'm looking it up now. You guys probably all know it. You're sitting there like saying the name out loud, and I can't think of it. Aaron Hicks. Aaron Hicks is back. Stanton's gonna be good to DH. He's saving his calf for when he's healthy, whatever that means, or for when the season starts. Because his health, he says it's it's 100 now. Maybe he's afraid of re-injuring it, so he's just waiting to play the regular season before he runs. Because he after he walked in a game, he didn't run the bases, so that's just kind of where, where we're at. Aaron Judge says he should be ready for opening day as well. That really, again, those three there. I think, and even if those three are ready, I think the next man up was Andujar, and Andujar is kind of being relegated to a bench hole because you have Aaron Hicks, Aaron Judge, assuming he's actually healthy, and then you have Brent Gardner. They are set on these guys playing, and I think Andujar is the one, the odd man out, unfortunately. I really wanted to see Andujar get a shot. Maybe he can play second base. I doubt it over Tyler Wade, but we'll see. I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to happen, unfortunately. Plus, they need left-handed bats in that lineup. Gardner and Wade are the only two left-handed bats, and Hicks is a switch hitter. But they're filled. With, they're littered with righties, so that could also hurt. That, that would. If, so if anybody gets the edge, it would be Talkman as the fourth outfielder because that left-handed bat could help help him play in that lineup and then you have the uh oh and clint frazier's been dealing with like an ankle injury for a couple months now like apparently he couldn't get healthy during all this downtime 
And now, and now we transition to the AL Central, and you have the White Sox, who Rod- Carlos Rodon threw a three-inning simulated game on Sunday, no setbacks, and Kopech is not even in camp, and that's for personal matters. No timetable when it'll show up. I don't know. I think that's been updated. I don't remember seeing it, though. But regardless, we're talking about a White Sox rotation that suddenly is getting really deep. And although I think Rodon and Kopech in a long season have way more upside and potential, I'm not targeting them in redraft because right now, as the, lineup, as the rotation stands, it's, it's Lucas Giolito, Dallas Keuchel, Reynaldo Lopez, Dylan Cease, and Gio Gonzalez, all of which are going to get their chances to throw. And I think Gonzalez would be the first man out. And then you also have, like I said, you have um, Kopech, and they have Rodon. And I'm guessing Kopech and Rodon are going to be relief pitchers, which is fantastic for their bullpen because they could use them in the bullpen. But they're, I guess they'll probably stay kind of stretched out. Maybe you see Kopech even stretch out on the taxi squad. Worth monitoring. Sal Perez is asymptomatic, last I saw, but he was diagnosed with COVID-19 as well. And just another guy to keep an eye on for, see how he comes back, if he's healthy, how he feels, all that good stuff. Bieber will remain Cleveland's opening day starter. And Carrasco, I think we talked about a little bit earlier, but he's already built up to six innings. He's built up to pitch six innings, which is fantastic. Like, And we've seen Francona. He loves to let his, his pitchers pitch. So Carlos Carrasco just became a top 25 guy for me in terms of starting pitchers. And his health was my only concern. And with him being healthy and having time to stay healthy and obviously the concerns with the cancer treatment and all that and the cancer as a whole being affected by the COVID, the fact that it hasn't been and the fact that he's going to pitch, I'm going to take the guy for – I'm going to take the guy at his word and just – he's if he's built up like that, that we and we know the quality innings he can give you. As long as – if he's pitching, I don't see how – He's not a top 25 guy, especially, again, if he's already going to be pitching five or six innings out the gate, which with this bullpen being kind of rough around the edges, to say the least, wouldn't be surprised if these guys are pitching six innings right from go. The twin, the Twins are just, again, it's a weird. Uh, Sano, I shouldn't say the Twins. Miguel Sano, positive for COVID. This is after being having his issues on off the field. We don't know severity. We don't know the symptoms or if he's asymptomatic, at least last I saw. And he's another guy that's just like, I don't know. I'm going to drop him down a couple rounds. The the skill set isn't as exactly a need. He just has the chance to be the best power hitter in baseball. But coming off COVID, slow start. We don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to probably hedge my bets, and he won't end up on any of my teams because I doubt there's always somebody willing to take him without the discount. Rich Hill threw a successful bullpen. It didn't look like he was holding anything anything back, and he should be a full go come opening day 2.0. But I think literally there's like medical tape, which is essentially like a ligament or something that holds his elbow together. And there's a high risk for re-injury. But if he's healthy, he could be one heck of a pitcher per game. It's just a big if. if he, I shouldn't say if he's healthy, if he could stay healthy. I have a hard time buying into the to the uh, health remaining there. But I'm all about it as long as his ADP doesn't creep up too high. But I've seen him pick like in the top 150, and I'm not there yet. So I don't seem to be getting a lot of shares. And we're going to jump into the AL West, where we have just a bunch of stuff going on. You have a... Uh, Josh James expected to uh, report soon if he's not already there. Uh, was attending to a personal matter, not COVID-related. You have Urquidy, not uh, at least he hasn't been at Astros camp as far as I've seen per, uh, due to an undisclosed condition, which, again, nothing's been said about him. And I haven't seen much of an update on Jordan Alvarez as well, missing camp due to league mandates. I'm thinking both these guys probably have COVID, but neither one of them have come out and said it from what I've seen both of which are taking a little bit of hits and drafts. I'm just avoiding your key at his price because you have all the other guys, a lot of guys and like I valued similarly in that sort of tier that I'm just going to take over him now. 
Alvarez was a guy I was coming around on that I'm just going to, between the knees consistently being an issue, he's going to be stuck as a DH all year, which isn't terrible in a short season, but you prefer some positional flexibility. And we just don't know how he's progressing or what he's doing. So I'm going to let, again, he's not going to fall far enough for me to take him probably, but if he does, I'll take him. I just don't know when he's going to fall. And you have McCullers who threw a live bullpen on Saturday. No setbacks noted. Feels good. Uh, he says he feels even better, obviously, after the extra downtime. We'll see how he gets utilized. I am I think he, he's almost like you're going to see similar. Like He should be good to go. I just think they're going to limit him initially out of camp, and that's obviously going to hurt. But I think that's baked into his price. I think the ADP last is always like around 170-ish, 175. And I'm okay with that because by then it's like your SP3, SP4. And, yeah, I, he's just a guy that the upside's there, but not sure what else to like. I'm not really sure. Like it all depends on your confidence in him. Texas Rangers and the Oakland A's are the last two teams here to talk about. Cause we talked about, we talked about the angels at nauseam already. And so we're going to just talk about the Rangers real quick. Jose Leclerc could be utilized in a more of a multi inning, like situation type of role. That's going to hurt his saves. Of, of course. But at the end of the day, I still think he's a solid reliever that needs to be drafted for saves because I still think he gets the majority of the opportunities because that's another team that I think wants to compete. And he is their best reliever. But Rafael Montero, I believe, is the name that's been floated around as being the beneficiary of that. So we'll see how that goes. But Jose Leclerc could be more of a multi-inning uh, relief pitcher. So you have to knock him down a couple pegs as far as as far as far like his value when it comes to closers, especially if they're going to utilize him in a multi-inning role. But it's still a guy who can be really solid on the ratios, but he we've seen them be prone to blow ups here and there. It's just trade ca- tread cautiously. It's uh it's a weird situation there. It's just you don't know what's gonna happen. And okay, I was wrong. The A's the only real news was his Jesus Lazardo, really. Mike Fires has since reported. And yeah, that's gonna do it. <laughs> that's an hour roughly, or not that's that was a long solo pod. Don't do a lot of those. And honestly, I, I always enjoy doing solo. But I obviously prefer to bring guests. So we're going to start getting guests on. I actually have a little mini series with some guests coming on. And we'll, you'll see some, some familiar faces, some new faces. And we'll get you ready for draft season, which we're trying to do now. Appreciate you listening as always. I'm Mike Curlin. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. Bases Loaded Pod is at Bases Loaded Pod on Twitter. You can also catch me on Beer, Bourbon, Baseball every Tuesday or Wednesday night at, from 9 to 10 p.m. That's a live show. You can come have a drink with us, ask us questions, and all that good stuff. And as always, guys, a five-star rating review is greatly appreciated. It really helps the show go a long way. And we just can't thank you enough for sticking with us through all this. We truly, truly appreciate it. We love doing this, and we love the support that we get in return. So as always, guys, we thank you for that, and we will talk to you soon.